Angela! I'll take flight! You deserve it, listen to me. Asshole. I can explain everything. Ethan already explained everything. Don't listen to Ethan. The guy's a fucking psychotic. You are a fraud. You are a child. You are manipulative. And worst of all, you're a whore. I'm not a whore. Lights, camera, action. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour Films. As you all know, I'm Ross Bacon. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike McGuigan. Mike, say hi. How's everyone doing? And as you should know by now, we're two dudes who drink and talk about movies. Now, we are in week two of 2023, and we are talking about some some more underappreciated, another underappreciated actor. Uh, last week, we talked about the great Matthew Lillard. If you're listening, Matthew, welcome, because <laughs> we know you read our Instagram. <laughs> that was like high point of the entire podcast was saying yep. Matthew yep. Lillard verified Matthew Lillard on Instagram commented on our Instagram post now he, he did say that no one's going to listen to the episode which he's wrong about because it's like our best uh performing episode in quite a while so yeah he uh he's underestimated his fan base <laughs> there are uh there are a lot of uh crossover between Matthew Lillard fans and uh Happy Hour Podcast Happy Hour Films fans but um so welcome to anybody new who has not listened to us and who jumped on because of Matthew Lillard. And again, thank you, Matthew Lillard, for, for helping us out. We, uh, we will eternally be grateful. And if you've actually listened to your episode about you, I apologize if I said anything too stupid. You know? <laughs> I don't think I did, but uh, it's weird when you get that feedback. You're like, oh, no, you get weirdly self-conscious. You're like, oh, no, what did I say? <laughs> did I say anything too stupid about it? <laughs> but I mean, I made a couple little... So he commented at like, I'm imagining he's commenting from like California or somewhere, but it was very early in the morning here. So I woke up and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's one of those things where like, you make sure that that blue check is like real. <laughs> yeah, I, I made sure I went in. I'm like, is this actually him? Oh my God. Has the follower count to actually be him. <laughs> right. It's like, yeah, it's like awesome. But yeah, so that was last week when we talked about Matthew Lillard. Now... This week we briefly touched on our la- our this week's subject last week. Um, we are talking about a man who still has um, it still has he's got a career resurgence, I guess I'll say, or a pop culture resurgence because he's kind of he's at the forefront of one of the more popular TV shows that come out recently with the Chucky Share series. He is also the largest little giant, I guess we'll put it. <laughs> He's uh he's also the the pre-deceased version of Casper, <laughs> right? Yep. He is uh Sean, we talked about last week. He is uh Anton Tobias, he is Alex Browning, he is Dave Goodman, he is also probably most famously, depending on who you are, he is also Stan. <laughs> now that is Obviously, if you know, just by me saying all those names, you know who I'm talking about. And Stan being the Eminem character, Stan, we're talking about Devin Sawa tonight. And again, like we said, we'd start off with Matthew Lillard. We're just going to start it off right off the bat. This dude rules. (laughs) This dude just rules. He's awesome. I hope he comments on our Instagram post, too. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, we're not... Let's just make it clear here. We're not doing this with that purpose. We're doing this because we genuinely like the guy and he fits the yes. theme. And it's it's a bonus if he does comment. But mm-hmm. so 
that said, before we jump into all of how great Devin Sawa is, because we will be talking about Slackers and Final Destination in depth, we'll be bringing up some other stuff that he's done that we've watched uh, recently or in the past, and um, we'll get into that. But first, as is our theme, because we did it, we we pushed it last week until it was finally, Mike was like, hey, we should probably do this because we actually do it. So we're going to do our, uh, see what we're drinking tonight. So Mike, what do you have? All right. So I am going with Can Brewing Company. It's a local one to the Monmouth area in Ocean, New Jersey. And I have their cloud cover Belgian style wheat ale. Okay. 4.8% alcohol. And it's very like, it's a typical Belgian. It's really good. I like Belgian ales. They're, they're not like there, there's like this weird like crispness to them and like mm-hmm. neck almost sweetness but it's like it adds like a little nice little touch to the beer and they're they're like a nice alternative to something like a bud light because at 4.8 percent you're not getting hammered off of them unless you're drinking 30 but you could a, drink 30 of them and they taste better than like anything like a bud lighter yeah and they're not gonna like sit in your stomach and be like uh, dragging you down whatever oddly enough i'm pretty sure cane brewing was the first brewery i went to when i turned 21 because it's pretty local to mammoth nice probably yeah um all right so i have stayed local as well and it's because um we had a few left over from having uh my uh, my good friend uh, Steve over the other uh, call last weekend I think and he brought some beer left one a few beers left of uh, some Tonewood so uh, I don't believe I've done freshies on the show before but it's their uh, it's their American Pale Ale it's 5.0 it's very much freshies is very much like a it's got this it's got I don't know it's got the pale ale taste though. that's one of their flagships right it is and. It's very much an easy, like, crush kind of beer, and it's got that, like, really hazy look to it, but it's not quite a hazy beer, but it's not quite an IPA. It's like like that American Pale Ale. It's not incredibly smooth, mm-hmm. but it's not awful. You know, it just, it just is, you know, <laughs> as, as descriptive as that can be, I guess. It just is. Put that on your can, Tonewood. It just is. <laughs> Now, I will, I like most breweries in our area. I'm not the biggest Tonewood guy because I feel like they are they have so many like just heavy IPAs. Like I don't feel like they have that much in terms of diversity when it comes to their beer. It is it is a very IPA and ale heavy brewery. I don't think <clears throat> now that I'm thinking about it. I don't think I know of them having a stout, you know. If I do, it's <laughs> It, I don't know if it's seasonal or what, but I used to get them a lot, but because it was kind of like the first one that had like wide distribution around this yeah. area. Yeah. And it's still one of the biggest ones. It's very popular. It's just not my thing. Yeah. They've actually upgraded their, their space mm-hmm. to, um, I think besides, besides bone saw, they're probably the biggest one in South Jersey. Yeah. And their new site is that lumber yard place that was around the corner from the trophy shop that Mike and I used to work at years ago. But um, it's a bigger, much bigger space than what they had before. What they had before was like a small storefront, essentially. But um, yeah, they got a big one now. But it's yeah, it's it's fine. It's a good beer. It's you can sit and drink a few of them and not not feel terrible about yourself. But um, so that said, we need to get on to the man of the hour, who this week is Canada's own Devin Sawa. And the thing is, 
I like Devin Sawa and I love him in movies. I don't know, though. The dude is a Blue Jays fan, and I don't know as a Red Sox fan if I can condone such behavior. You know? <laughs> Man, he's Canadian. They have one baseball team. <laughs> they had two, and they ruined it. They had the Expos as well. <laughs> yeah, they the, the Nationals can fuck right off. Yeah, fuck the Nationals, man. But, yeah, he's apparently a big Blue Jays fan. And uh, it's funny because it's weird because I, and I don't know why there's a disconnect in my head where it's like Canadian likes baseball. It's like, but why? You know, we don't were you born have from a hockey puck. <laughs> like, don't you have hockey? <laughs> but but now it's it's Isn't Johnny Manziel, the quarterback for one of your football teams. <laughs> one of <laughs> he probably bounced around the CFL for a little while, being the piece of shit that that guy is. <laughs> but it's uh all right. So no, we're talking about yeah, like you said, Canada's own Devin Sawa, who frequently plays American characters very well. I guess is how you put that, <laughs> but. He is, it's so funny because Devin Sawa is definitely a child actor turned teen heartthrob turned like what happened to Devin Sawa and then he comes back and you're like, oh damn, this dude's like, this is the guy now. Like he's, he's like, uh, he's like an older dad actor, but he doesn't really play dads too often. And he's, but when he does they're like grizzled almost. I'm speaking mostly because most recently I watched uh, Hunter Hunter and Black Friday, which is essentially those two characters combined. (laughs) Now, I don't know if that, like, I'm not sure I've ever actually listened to a Devin Sawa interview and just listened to him talk. Um, But when I hear him in movies, his voice, like it always feels like he's really forcing his vocal cords to say what he's trying to say. And I don't know, like, I don't know how to explain it. It's interesting the way he delivers lines like I like it but I'm like every time I'm like wow he's putting a lot of stress on every word he says is it kind of like how when a British actor has to be American and you can tell that they're fighting the crown you know and they're like <laughs> fighting the revolutionary war inside their head to be American it, it's not like he has a bad American accent that's not what I'm saying I'm just like even like slackers, he's like, you know why, Bob? He's like, really? It's great. <laughs> he's, he's, I think he, it's, I, as far as I can tell, like, cause again, I follow him on Instagram where he is absolutely hilarious. Like, he's, he's a great follow. Again, like, I think I said last week, he's a little political at times, which I'm fine because I ascribe to most of the things that he's, that he talks about. But I can understand if that would kind of turn you off. But he is, he's funny on there. And it's really funny because he does throw a lot of um he does throw a lot of uh, publicity in there for like his movies and it's never like hey check out my movie it's always like an interesting way he kind of like does it organically and it's like oh this dude this dude's like proud of his work and it's like oh okay i like that but when he's the funniest thing is because i think i was probably introduced to devin sawa um knowingly like when i was the most conscious about movies probably from final destination yeah and i would say that was my introduction to him too because well, i remember I mean, really a, little giants probably was but i didn't really know it was devin sawa yeah i was gonna say little giants definitely was my intro to him but i i was 12 when that kid when that movie came out and i think i, I probably saw it in theater i don't remember but it's not one of those movies that's ever really stuck with me it's not one of my like go-to sports kids movies probably because i didn't play football but 
it's and I'm, then again i'm not really a kid now they think of it i'm not a kid sports movie fan at all i don't think i ever have been <laughs> you <laughs> don't talk mike, that way about the mighty ducks I was just saying, whereas mike will be like the mighty ducks is the godfather of uh kids <laughs> movies <laughs> not just kids movies of all movies of movies yeah <laughs> but and so, not the not mighty ducks d2 the mighty ducks too <laughs> right that it's got to be the sequel but um but then i remember seeing like Final Destination, I love, and Alex, we'll get to Alex Browning when we talk about Final Destination. But I, I just love that character, and it's I, I've I've said it numerous times on this podcast. It holds one of my what I believe to be the greatest death in movie history, and it comes right after a good like Devin Sawa kind of like weird guy rant, and it's it's kind of it's pretty good. But right off the bat. I think we should just jump into dressing Stan. We should get into Stan. Yes. <laughs> because he plays the titular Stan in the Eminem music video for the, Which, I mean, for the it's song. It's awesome because that's argu- because of the popularity of the song. Most people would consider it one of like the greatest rap songs of all time. Absolutely. And I mean, look at it right now. People use the word Stan in like a good way now which yeah. just shows you the disconnect between how it was actually intended and how it has been adopted and co-opted over time because when you obviously listen to the song see the video it's clearly about a stalker and, and that's what stan is a stalker fan <laughs> but nowadays it's been quite to be like oh we stand it's like oh we love that we're fanatics about this guy it's like well you can be fanatics but just don't get to his length you know <laughs> You can be you can be proud of your team and then you can be, you know, a kidnapper. But I just think it's hilarious because Devin Sawa in that video, I watched the eight minute long version, quote unquote, which I'm not quite it's it really is like a minute and 30 seconds in the beginning of the video of uh, Dido banging on a bathroom door. Yeah. And then he opens the door, sits her down because she's pregnant on the toilet. And then the, then the song starts and then the video yeah. starts. And it's like, well. It's not like thriller where there's like a story before the song. It's just him dyeing his hair while his girl, pregnant girlfriend, bangs on the door. Bleaching his hair, like, right. pouring bleach into his hair, bleaching into his hair. It's like what? What real long version of this video is this? You know, there's nothing more to it. Like you could have cut this, and it would have been. In, I think it is in the six minute video. I don't know if there is much else that you can put on there. Yeah, but, it's like it's the the story of the video is in the song like it is a yeah. story driven song the video itself does not necessarily need a story <laughs> no and and Sawa plays it it's great because all he has to do is know the song and yeah. rap the lyrics essentially along with Eminem but I, there is that one shot where it gets to be like I mean the whole move the whole video is very artfully done mm-hmm. but there is that like M. Night Shyamalan twists sort of at the end when Eminem realizes in his own song who was the one that was on the news with the pregnant girlfriend in the trunk. And then like the lightning crashes and you see Devin Sawa as Stan looking through the window at him. And it's like, ooh, oh my God, jump scare. <laughs> it's like, wow, we really uh, we really had to hit that note at the end of this. <laughs> Everyone yeah, knew mean, up to that point. <laughs> that's the best part of the video though. <laughs> Right. It's like it's the, the funniest thing is it's only a jump scare for Eminem yeah. and he doesn't even really notice it. 
But I mean, it is a well done video. And it's a great video. It really is. <laughs> great. The problem that I had was when I was watching on YouTube, apparently, I, I don't know, I didn't do any more digging. The um, because I've heard the song, I heard it all so damn much, I know it by heart, but there was a lot of like just blank spots for the censorship and apparently some of the things that stan says he does to his girlfriend are not worth is censor worthy for youtube apparently because there's good there's a decent couple lines that are completely deleted simply because they're basically violence against stan's girlfriend but i was like um okay <laughs> you know if, even i think it's the um i think even think in eminem's part at the end where he says and she was pregnant with his kid in the trunk it's like I think that's censored as well. It's like, wait, why? <laughs> what are we doing here? What what's the point of that? But yeah, I mean it's it's so funny well, because did you ever see did you ever see the uh I forget where it was, but um Eminem performed it live with Elton John. Yeah, it was at the Grammys, I believe. And it's uh censored. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it's pretty it's it's interesting because you know it's Eminem and mm -hmm. Most of his songs have to be censored, you know, in some fairly extensive way. But Did you know there's also a sequel to this? <laughs> to Stan? Yeah. Yeah, there I is? think it's on the Marshall Matters LP, too. And I'm pretty sure it's about the little brother coming after him. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. But, yeah, my... He even um, returns the, uh, the signed... Uh, the starter <laughs> the, cap? Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to look into it. Yeah, I'm not. I, I, I can't remember when I stopped listening to Eminem. It was probably right about when he went into rehab, or you know that That's album. When most people would consider Eminem's uh, career to be or like going it's, downhill. It's really his relevance. I think. I mean, this obviously is an episode about Eminem, but that's when I last cared about eminem so for him to come out with a sequel to stan i'm like I, I definitely missed it you know i really definitely missed it yeah i'm pretty sure it is bad guy on it's the first song on the marshall matters lp2 oh, okay but um interesting but all right so that's just a little brief hit into a great almost silent performance uh a lip-synced performance by devin sawa and uh but now we can jump into. It'd be I don't way know. cooler if Devin Sawa actually rapped all the way. That would be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it wasn't Devin even, Sawa do Stan now. Yeah, if Eminem only did his part, that's like from Eminem's perspective. <laughs> Devin Sawa rapped the rest. That'd be great. That'd be three quarters of the song. <laughs> that would be awesome. I mean, he's doing it. He's really doing it. Like he's at least mouthing along with it. But um, but yeah. So now we gotta at least get into what someone. I mean, I. I can recognize the issue that people would have with the character of Dave Goodman. And it's probably, if you think about it, his most problematic role per se, simply by the way that he goes about living his life <laughs> and the things that he does with his friends, but it's in slackers in 2002 um, directed by a guy named Dewey Nix, which I think based on his directing credit. And again, Mr. Sala, if you're listening, please correct me. I think it might be a made up name <laughs> because I don't think, I mean, or, or the guy did this and it was like, you know what? I'm done directing movies. I'm good. But then it's right off the bat. We get, like I said, with SLC punk, we get one of those movies of like the nineties and early two thousands where our main character is just kind of dictating 
his life to us as it happens and he's he's kind of bringing us into their world but i will I say my favorite part about this character is the extent he goes through to avoid tests when studying for the test is infinitely easier than what he's doing but the best part is He's not, this isn't him trying to dodge the test. It's Jason Siegel's character trying to dodge yeah. the test. And even then, they get Nate Faxon to do the actual test. So all that Siegel has to do is go in and take the test and just swap the books. And so he could, his, um, his answers or Nate Faxon's answers are put in instead of his. But my favorite part is the entire beginning of this movie is this big long scam that these guys are pulling and it involves starting off with a fake recording for a tv show fake tv show well a real recording for a fake tv show of the whim of a women's like cross-country meet uh at this college that they're at and the whole entire thing is just this really long involved con to be able to a steal test booklets out of this truck that's delivering the test booklets and B come up with a scam so that Jason Siegel can break his tibia <laughs> in quotes by getting hit by this truck as a biker. And it's so funny because they don't really need to come up with the broken tibia part, except when you find out that he uses it as the reason why Dave is there taking the test for him or grabbing the book for him and getting the, getting the questions it's it's so it's weird because you're like oh this is genius and yet so stupid <laughs> but it's still genius yeah which is I can't believe we're also talking <laughs> we're getting Jason Siegel again <laughs> Jason Siegel again yeah yeah which Mike Jason Mr Siegel if you're listening Mike does not like you please send your followers after him and crush him online it's not that I don't <laughs> like him it's just. I think I don't like how I met your mother and that's transferred to him. I never bothered watching that show. So I'm, I haven't been, um, but I do like, like freaks and geeks. <laughs> yeah. Freaks and geeks is good. Like forgetting Sarah Marshall. Great movie. You know, well, great performance in that movie. And that's I even like, um, I love you, man. <laughs> yeah. He's great in that. And like, he is great. I mean, and I've, I've generally never had a problem with Jason. Segal. I think he's, I think he's, uh, I think he's great, but the, it's so funny. His character in this has, and I don't know why it just makes me laugh every single time. It's when he does the, um, like hot girls like it when you're a dick to them thing. And it's Gina Gershon yes. <laughs> in this club scene where for some reason, Jason Siegel only has like bikini briefs on and he's in this club and he's drinking, he's holding like a drink and smoking a cigarette. And he like knocks his drink on her on purpose. So they can get in this back and forth name calling thing. And then she calls him a monkey boy and he looks at his nipple and like flexes his peck. And that apparently is like the deal breaker. And they're just all over each other after that <laughs> it makes me laugh every time i say it and i don't know why <laughs> yeah him and him and uh laura Prepon in this are just so great yeah she's like the supporting cast in this is really good it's laura Prepon. then there's even jim rash from community um with hair again it's it's a situation like a dave batista situation when you see this actor with hair and you're only used to seeing them bald it really does throw you off you know <laughs> you're like oh my god this person had hair at one point this is scary but with so, Devin wait, there, there was another character in it that um 
he wrote and was a side character in a movie we talked about for best movies of the years, probably 2000 for 2013. You, uh, I'm thinking it's not coming to me. Uh, the way, way back. It's, uh, Nick or Nat Faxon from the way, way back. Yeah. I just mentioned him before. He's the one that's taken doing the actual taking of the test. Oh, the yeah. physics test yeah but yeah. um i i was like oh it's him yeah and i think jim rash is one of the co-writers of that movie oh yeah yeah he is yeah. one of the co-writers yeah. <laughs> but and it's it's so funny because then there's jason schwartzman in this who is so I, i'm whiny. he's the worst it, it, cool ethan is the worst and jason schwartzman plays him perfectly as the worst and it's one of those situations where you're like is he because a lot of jason schwartzman's characters kind of have this like slight dickishness to them so that's where you get that that weird gray area where you're like is this guy just that good of an actor or is he just being himself it's not and i'm not equating the two i'm not equating jason schwartzman to kevin spacey because kevin spacey is a fucking monster but kevin spacey was always been a fucking asshole in all of his roles and it's like well he was a fucking asshole in real life (laughs) so maybe he wasn't acting you know but i'm not again i'm not saying jason schwartzman is like that i'm sure he's again a very nice guy (laughs) but But, his characters are always like slimy like yeah it's and he's really good at playing him. And Cool Ethan is the worst of the worst. And you want to talk about problematic? This character is the definition of problematic. And Stan, Stan is borderline a better dude than even Cool Ethan, you know. <laughs> and Devin Sawa's Dave Goodman is—he's so charming. He is such a charming dude, and. It's it's almost like it's like the Matthew Lillard conundrum. Matthew Lillard, as I I called him, uh, you can quote me, Mr. Lillard, an adorable asshole. That's what he is. Devin Sawa is is in that same group in this movie, at least. He's an adorable asshole. He almost <laughs> reminded me of the main character from Hackers to an extent, the way he like presented himself. Oh, uh, zero cool, uh, Johnny yeah. Lee Miller, yeah. Uh, but um, or uh, yeah, it's it's or crap is. He's crash override as well. Yeah. yeah. Zero cool and crash override and acid burn is Angelina. But um, yeah, and it's it's so funny because in this movie, it's it's the it's the case of the the lovable scamp is our main character and he falls in love, and it's a, a little bit of a love story there. But there are in this line, in this movie, there are so many lines that are just great. Like they're and they're all kind of throw away weird lines and my favorite exchange though is when um uh jason Siegel's character goes to take his exam in the uh, teacher's office he goes in there and he says yeah I, I got hit by a i got hit by a truck you know my testicle turned blue and then the teacher says well why don't you drop your trousers and we'll examine them <laughs> and everybody kind of stops him he's like no 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 no, don't do that not necessary he's like look listen if it'll help me take the midterm i'm happy to show everyone my balls <laughs> <laughs> and then <laughs> there's another part again with this i promise you is an episode about dev and Sawa, but there's another Jason Segel uh, situation where it's the flashback of him in the um, for the fire drill when he's in like the computer lab. Yeah, <laughs> and I think it's Getty Watanabe. Um, he comes in and he's just sitting there with the and the fire alarm goes off, 
and Siegel's sitting there, just just sitting there. And he comes over and he's like, just kind of like, calm down, teach. Like, I'm just going to ride it out here. And then it's the line is your sacrifice puzzles and honors me. And then he bows and he runs out, you know, and it's poorly dubbed and everything like a bad like, kung fu flag, like Godzilla flag. But it's racist as shit for him. <laughs> but it makes me laugh so hard just because of the look on Siegel's face. He's like, calm down. <laughs> this movie's made me laugh through and through but it was so problematic like like there were just a lot of like when he's talking to the hobo he's like yeah freaking (laughs) oh yeah you dirty hobo (laughs) (laughs) and then the dirty old horman told me to do it with um (laughs) he's like no one calls me darn you dirty hobo (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, again, I mean, but of course, there's the random, um, uh, again, the random cameos, Gina Gershon, and also Cameron Diaz, <laughs> for no real reason. <laughs> it's almost as if they were making it, and Mimi Van Doren, of all people, is the, the, the dirty old whore in the, um, in the, the nursing, and uh, in, um, at, in the, the hospital bed, and I think it's, I think I remember if it's a nursing or a hospital, I think it's a hospital, but, um, I also yeah. love the one of the quirks that they give Ethan is that he gives people the people he likes he gives them nicknames. <laughs> Got to give you a nickname, Laser. <laughs> but and then there's there's so many good weird lines about jerking off. <laughs> like the, I'm telling you, I've seen a lot of porn in my day, and I'm telling you, it's like a trade secret. Next time you jerk off, you sit Indian style. <laughs> And also masturbating in the dorms. Well, that's what you get when you go to art school. <laughs> when um, uh, other Pete from Pete and Pete, uh, character's name is Jeff. He goes in uh, and he walks in and Laura Prepon's masturbating on the couch, like right inside the door. <laughs> Guess that's what you get when you go to art school. <laughs> yeah. And for those of you, we keep bringing up Laura Prepon. If you don't know, that's Donna Pinciotti from that 70s show. <laughs> She's also, uh, I don't know her character's name, but she's also on Orange is the New Black. She's on there as well. But um, yeah, and it's, and then there is, and I believe, and I'm going to post it um, on Facebook. There is also Jamie King, who is the love interest in this movie. She is also one of the, I believe it's six. She's one of the six women in Hollywood who there's a meme going around now with all six of them. And it's, if the, if you told me that these six were sex toplets, I'd believe you. Well, it's her, Margot Robbie. Her, Margot Robbie. Um, I can't remember her name, but it's the woman from Murphy Brown. <laughs> um, Samara Weaving. Uh, I believe a British actress. of I can't remember. I don't know what show it is. And then Jamie Presley is the other one. But... Yeah, and, and then Jamie when you Presley, look, is she the one in Joe Dirt? Jamie Presley is the one in Joe Dirt. Yeah. Yes, she is. And um, and I, I don't know what show the British. I don't know which one this British girl is. And I I've I've seen her in things, but I I don't know what she's actually from. But um, but yeah, it's it's funny because Jamie King is like, oh, oh right, it was her. Like <laughs> I remember her from Sin City, but like when she was in this, I was like, oh, she's fine. Yeah, Sin <laughs> City is probably where you're going to know her from. Right, it's gold white chicks. Yeah, <laughs> cool blondes, you know. But um, yeah, it's and then again with Devin Sawa on this, it's it's one of those like, like I said, lovable scamp characters. And when you really think about it, though, his character is essentially like 
in the grand in the little world of this university he's essentially a domestic terrorist <laughs> because yes. of all the different shit that they do but he's like, he even says i've engineered bomb threats i've, I've controlled the power it's like oh my god <laughs> and this you, is 2002 you know, this movie was perfectly set up for him to be one of those characters that's like that kind of scamp and he ends up going a little too far and the fbi catches wind of him and they bring him in and they're like we have a mission you're either going to join us or you're going to go to federal prison <laughs> I mean, yeah, that would be great if he, uh, that's like the sequel to Slackers, <laughs> some sort of Suicide Squad, <laughs> Dave Goodman, Suicide Squad, but, and it's the charming and the reason why Devin Sawa is so great in this movie can be summed up by one scene, and it's my favorite scene, and it's my favorite line, I think, of most movies of its era, that he, Cool Ethan, has supposedly confessed the whole these guys were gonna get me to like you know try to get it me and you together like with jamie king and all that and uh dave was stringing you along just he was he was it was part of a bet essentially he's trying to like she's all that or basically and dave is late to the dorm and it's after Coethan's already said all this and jamie king's crying upset she opens the door and she says she says you're a liar and you're a whore and Devin Sawa has this like he takes his beat and he's got this hurt look on his face and he goes, "I am not a whore." <laughs> and every time I see that line, I I want to stand up and applaud. It's like that is an amazing little performance right there. It's so good. He is not a whore. <laughs> right, I, it's almost it makes me wonder if Sawa knew that that line was coming <laughs> because just the look on his face is such like hurt and shock. <laughs> Like he was not expecting her to call him a whore. <laughs> I, I do whore. love the ending when the professor's like, "Yeah, I'm not trying to give a test here," and the people are barging in, and My- the guy in the classroom, well, in the classroom, calls the professor, and he's like, "Yeah, we got a cheater here." <laughs> he's holding a fucking hair doll for Christ's sake. <laughs> I need a name. He's like, he's holding a fucking hair doll. <laughs> but my favorite in that scene, my favorite uh, character is the dude that has the red hat on that stands up and he goes, I'm pretty sure I'm in the wrong class, <laughs> but that was beautiful, man. <laughs> but, and that's, that's the that's thing. You need like a Ryan Reynolds in there. <laughs> right. It's just something. It's, but I've seen that guy in things with like other things and it's, it's just so good. And then <laughs> like, there's the part where Devin was like his life has kind of crumbled and everyone's abandoned him essentially because he he broke the code of the guys and by uh, by seat of doubting them and telling them somebody like bringing somebody else into it breaking their trust all that and he's kind of walking around and then like the 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 acapella group starts singing uh ace of bass and he's just go it's it's right before he gets to that point he's kind of going around he's seeing all these like terrible things and it one that's the cameron diaz um uh cameo and then it's like cool ethan's everywhere he's torturing and whatever and then it cuts from i think cameron diaz to this older woman that he's like making out with and Devin Sawa just goes oh come on that's my mom (laughs) (laughs) yeah this so I this movie is funny but it it could have been better if they just like I don't know if it was made today 
and you earned now now it, 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 it has to be made in like the 80s or something oh if it was made in the 80s it'd be much more problematic i guarantee it. yeah. it'd be revenge of the nerds level problematic like that end of the that end uh, that ending scene but I think it's perfect. Again, it's perfect for its time. In 2002. It is a time capsule through and through. Two, not like Grind or um, Scooby-Doo, but it's definitely of its, like theme-wise and story-wise, it's definitely of its time. Because mm. in 2002, no one was thinking of, A, the deceit and everything that Dave starts the relationship with, and yeah, sure, he comes clean, but that's still not a great start. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, and then all the stuff that he does, all that. It's I can, un, and then just the character of Ethan being who he is, and basically, I know he is the villain, and he does get his comeuppance, but it is, it's, it's not a great, it's not a great look to have some of these characters as um, sympathetic characters at points, but either way, it's not so offensive. Like Ethan, cool. Ethan doesn't win in the end, you know, it's, he is still a villain and he is still proven to be a villain. And Dave is still very much apologetic and he's turned a new leaf at the end. And it's, it's all about the character change, which makes it different from probably what somebody would try to get away with today. Because if you were to make this movie today, it would be quote unquote canceled before it even happened, simply because no one would have the patience to want to see how it played actually played out, you know, and that's why it needed to be made in 2002, because we still forgave people back then, you know, yeah. we still let people have second chances that made minor mistakes, you know, <laughs> but it's it is it is funny because there the scenes that where sawa is just like dave in full con artist mode like when he when they do uh he and jason siegel is sam i believe is the character's name he and sam do that scam at upright stanton and folk the the law firm or the financial firm when they siegel pretends to choke on steak sawa saves his life Siegel calls from the building because they know Ethan's got caller ID. He calls from the building to tell him that his interview's ready and they'd love him to come in. He's to schedule his interview. Sawa's already up there talking to, I believe it's Lester, somebody Lester, Lester, something like that. And it's the guy from happy Gilmore. That's you won't make this putt. You jackass. (laughs) But he's up there and he's like, if you could describe yourself in the interview, he goes, if you could describe yourself in one word, what would it be? And someone takes a second and he goes, I'm going to have to say slave to the freaky ass booty. <laughs> and the response is, that's not one word. <laughs> he just kind of has this look on his face like, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> you're not concerned about the contents of what I just said? Just that it wasn't one word? Yeah, that's what you're worried about? <laughs> it, it's, I mean, again, there are so many, like, it's almost like a big, it's Mr. Leonard is, I think it's Leonard Leonard or whatever. His, the actor's name is Joe Flaherty that plays him. But the whole movie has a lot of like great little skits kind of strung together. Um, like when Dave goes to um, uh, Jamie King's uh, parents and she goes to Angela's, Jamie King's character name, goes to Angela's parents. And his her dad, they've been like day drinking and all that, and he's he's there as a um I think it's an in like 
a census taker or something. He's he's pretending to be like or an insurance adjuster or whatever it is, but he's talking to the father and the father goes away to get all of these random ass documents that he's coming up with. And the mother sits there. She's like, Oh yeah. I like to decoupage. I like to, I like to play tennis. I like to suck dick. <laughs> you know. And then he's like, Oh really? <laughs> it just, the whole thing runs. as like one actual conversation without any break. And then like, he's behind the bar clearly getting blown by the mother. <laughs> he's yes. got that like, He's like disheveled. He's like kind of banging on the bar to kind of stay upright. It's a pretty great little performance. <laughs> yeah. And it is something you would only see in a movie that was made between 1998 and 2004. Well, technically it happened in the 80s because Police Academy did it as well. But, yes. <laughs> but in a different context, in a different way. But yeah, it's it's but it's it seems like that where you you look you know what you're looking at is nowadays from 2022 perspective is fucked up but you're looking at it and you're like these performances are so damn good i don't care <laughs> you know it's like i don't care devin sawa has won me over because the dude is like effortlessly charming and it's amazing <laughs> yes <laughs> and it's again like there's there's only so much i can say where this movie's great watch it but if you're sensitive to the problematic natures of it just know going in our word is used pretty frequently because again it was 2002 you know and there is there is a singing penis in a sock at one point but i have no problem with that no one should (laughs) it was hilarious (laughs) she'll be coming around the mountain when she comes (laughs) when she comes (laughs) so good Oh, and also, if, if you're if you're a big Devin Sawa head, if you're uh, into that, you do get to see his ass. <laughs> he is naked in a gym locker room at one point. So, which is funny because like the other guys are covered up. Like, um, um, Pete from Pete and Pete has his um, he has his hair like up in a uh, like in a towel. Uh, Jeff's character Jeff has his hair up in a towel, and. Sawa's just sitting there like rubbing his face off, but he's just standing there naked. He doesn't he doesn't care. <laughs> There's also a character just called the Gimp. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Laura's like little gimp uh, that she has, and she's like making him listen through the door, but he can't listen too close because he's breathing on her. <laughs> That's I love that he is the third highest listed actor on IMDB. <laughs> Who is? The Gimp. <laughs> Oh, I'd say I'm looking at it. I got Sawa, Siegel, uh, Michael Marana, Schwartzman, King, Prepon. There he is. Uh, no, wait, Travis Davis. I think mine are all appear in um, order of appearance, I think is what I got mine listed. Nope, in. I have top build cast, and Robert B. Martin Jr. as the Gimp is, Gimp is number two behind Devin Sawa. Oh, wow. That's, I don't know why, man, but that's. That's... Uh, yeah, see my top belt. Oh, yeah, my top belt. There he is, number two. Yep. <laughs> number two. Wow. Yeah, that's when you pull up the C all on the cast, it pulls up the actual like by priority, basically. But yeah, that that is pretty funny. <laughs> but all right, so that's probably enough about um about our man Dave Goodman and Devin Sala as he portrays him. Uh Mike, how's your beer? I'm good. I'm just about finished my second one again these are really Kane did a good job of making like a light Belgian really can drink a bunch of these without feeling too bad about it nice nice yeah my freshies is pretty good going down easy going down smooth but um 
All right. So now, before we get to Final Destination, let's take a brief look at the assorted that we watched. Uh, now, Mike, you watched Idle Hands again. Yes. I didn't have the chance to watch Idle Hands again. Um, so just the concept of that movie made me want to watch it when I was like looking through his whole. Uh, had you never whole... seen it before? No. You never seen it before? It's yeah. it's a good one. It this is, is my good. first time seeing it, and just the concept of a teenager's right hand becoming possessed and murder it with murderous intent. Yep. Brilliant. Yep. Amazing. I believe we also cast, have a the cast. We got a mighty duck in there. <laughs> we got uh, Fulton Reed as right. Nub. <laughs> right. He is one of the dead friends. Right. It's him and yes. Seth Green are the dead friends. Right. Yes. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen it, but yeah. And um, I was surprised by it because, like, between Salah, Seth Green, Jessica Alba's in it. I was going to say, Jessica Alba's the, the love interest, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, that that movie has one of my favorite lines of Look at Me on Leatherface. <laughs> I also love that Fred Willard's in it. <laughs> the late Fred Willard. Yeah. Um, yeah, he plays his dad, right? Yep. Yeah. There's yeah, a bunch it's of um. I mean, it's a horror comedy that I. I mean, it wasn't great, but I. It was entertaining. Right, and I believe yes, it is the guy who plays the hand is the same that guy that plays Thing in the Adam Sandler movies. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. That's a good uh... good hand actor. A lot of typecasting, but good hand actor. Yep. But um, yeah, it's that I remember that movie being being funny as hell. I do remember uh, enjoying that movie. But then we watched, um, we both watched Hunter Hunter. Yes. Yeah, which turns out, um, spoiler alert, Mister Sawa is not in the entire time. Nope, like thirty <laughs> he, minutes. He's he's in about thirty minutes of it. He is but... a subpar hunter. <laughs> well, yeah, he. <laughs> it's not it's not much of a sport to say that he gets hunted at one point yes. <laughs> and it's it's funny because yeah you would think that this guy's entire life is dedicated to being a hunter and living off the land as a hunter and teaching his daughter to hunt yet he is fairly quickly dispatched from what, <laughs> from and what i can tell like, like he's easily dispatched yeah but like you could be like oh maybe it was a sneak attack but proof that he's a bad hunter is he has the wolf so. in his sight and then doesn't shoot it. Right, right. And you don't even get to see him die. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, that's that. And that's kind of a jip. Like, when when you just, you, you're, you're stumble upon his body in the movie. It's like, mm -hmm. really? Come on. Like, I, I want to see a Devin Sawa death scene. You know, like, I want I want to see that. Like, the, you know, I do can do it. I know he can pull it off. Fuck up of not shooting the wolf results in him and the guy getting in like the guy finds them they're like in a fight and then the wolf just comes in and fucks up Devin Sawa <laughs> yeah that would be something you know <laughs> but it's the movies the movie's fine yeah. it's um it's a very performance from Sawa it's a very grizzled it's a very grizzled different performance and he's a very it's, much a dickhead like a true dickhead like you get him as like a cheeky bastard in his earlier days but in this, he's like just a straight up dickhead. He's yeah. It's you don't really get you don't get the full understanding of why he doesn't want to live in society. 
there's also a line towards the end of the movie where the where uh what's his name uh terminator 3 john connor nick stall <laughs> uh tell he's like oh did he tell you he's going to hunt or going to track a wolf or something wait the fuck does that mean like what are you talking about <laughs> Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> We'd literally just did met you your know character. <laughs> did, did, was there a connection between the murderer and the father that we have no idea about and was never answered at the end of the movie? Because that's what that line is telling me. Right, exactly. Yeah. Was there a deleted scene that we uh, shouldn't have deleted? But yeah, I mean, Sawa is, I'm, I found him perfectly fine. For the character that he was, he, I thought, he was, I thought yeah, he was fine. Yeah, no, I thought he um, had a fine performance. I just didn't like the character much. <laughs> I would have, if anything, I would have almost rather had him and Stahl be switched. Um, so have Sawa be the the killer of the movie and have Nick Stahl be the, the hunter father that gets dispatched halfway, like half hour yeah. into it. Because I, I think Nick Stahl, to his credit, plays creeps fairly well. Um, I believe, I, and again, I can't remember if it's him or Ethan Hawke in Sin City that plays the yellow like bastard or whatever his name is. Um I think it oh, fuck. I think it is Stahl. But yeah, um Rourke Jr. Yeah, but he is very much I think that dude's like a child murderer as well. So yeah. He's not like He's not a sympathetic character by any means, obviously, but you know, at least he's not Elijah Wood in that movie. Yeah, there. Oh God, it, that's a great performance by Elijah Wood. I'll tell you that. But um, yeah, that's Nick Stall again. But like, so Nick Stall can play. He's played creeps and you know, mm-hmm. like psychos and awful people. But I feel like I want to see Devin Sawa in that role. Like I want to see him be the dual. Like, oh, I'm a photographer who fell in blah 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 and whatever but and then it turns out no he's a fucking serial killer you know it's but the the turn at the end that we get where it becomes like a um like an involuntary hellraiser almost yeah <laughs> where nick stall gets uh, skinned by um the mother uh, by the wife and it's like oh I'll give you credit. Didn't see it going that way. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm like, I, I, I guess we're going to, this is how we're paying off uh, the dad teaching the daughter how to skin a deer. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I guess that was for a reason. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> because the daughter taught the mother and now she's using it after one time, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> you know, you have your priorities. <laughs> perfect. I'm fine with it. But I wasn't, I wasn't upset that I watched it. Like I was, I was perfectly yeah, I fine. Was fine. Watched it. it was, perfectly serviceable but now the movie that i watched that you didn't like was black friday yes and black friday is a good movie in the sense that it's entertaining and fun um i wouldn't call it the deepest story that anyone's ever put the screen but devin Sawan in it is essentially he's this divorced father who on Black Friday, he on Thanksgiving he had to turn over his kids to his wife and their shitty new stepdad or whatever. I think his character's name is Grant or something. And he goes into work at this like Walmart type toy store. Um, it's like a Toys R Us type of deal. Yeah, and he's very much like this. Life hasn't gone the way it should, and he's kind of stuck, and he's jaded and whatever and um 
he's not exactly he's like the cool dude at work that no one actually respects because of his pathetic kind of situation and Salwa plays it really well like he does he plays it really well and it's it's funny because he's kind of funny he's he's again like a lovable jerk and he is in this we've talked about his accents in some movies now i'm saying we say accent like he doesn't speak with a normal canadian you know it's, it's not like sorry and a like it's not like he's yeah. hard on that stuff and he's but he's he speaks quote unquote normally you know and but in this they give him a bit of a boston accent because i believe the movie takes place up in boston and or just outside of boston and it's it's a bit of a vague boston accent like like what kind gather, of the Oz. Is, is it a zombie movie like it's uh, let's uh, okay it's kind of like zombie meets um body snatchers where okay. it's it's uh, meets the blob like it's it's very much um a mysterious like Shaun of the dead style zombie plague breaks out the they're they don't stop at zombies they're like transformed into these other creatures and so is it more like a resident evil type of kind of kind of and eventually they all kind of all the infected form into this one big gigantic creature at the end and it's they have to uh they have to defeat that creature but bruce campbell's in it and that's all awesome. he he plays the manager of the store and he's, he's really good. I mean, he's Bruce Campbell and he's really good. And for the most part, like I said, like the, the heavy hitters are Sawan Campbell and they're the ones that really bring it. Everybody else is kind of like, I guess you got to start somewhere. you know. So this is the yeah. movie that you start with. And it's, I'm, I'm sure some of these actors will break out in other things more than likely a CW show. If the CW still exists after now, Warner Brothers done with it. Now, but, like haunted toy store slash arcade horror movie based around a toy store slash arcade. What are you picking black Friday or Willie's wonderland? Oh, you're asking me to choose between my Nick cage and my Devin Sawa. And I hate to say it because it's his episode tonight. Nick Cage wins this one over Devin. You know, it's it's Nick Cage. Come on now. <laughs> what are we doing? He doesn't say a damn word, and he's amazing. Which, funnily enough, I think Devin Sawa is the second person we've talked about with a silent performance with Stan. There you Nick go. Cage is the first with the Willie's Wonderland. Well, we've also talked about Jim Carrey in The Bad Batch. Oh, shit, yeah. Well, Devin <laughs> a- Sawa's among good company. <laughs> so, yeah, of the three, Nick Cage, Willie's Wonderland, Jim Carrey in The Bad Batch, Devin Sawa in Eminem's Stan video. In that case, I think I'm going Cage, Sawa, Carrey. Like, I think I'm giving Jim the third place medal on that one. Um, simply, be, I don't know. It's it's simply because Stan is such an iconic character. You know, yeah. it's he really did make Stan jump off the screen, you know? And it was TRL. Like, TRL, he was the king of TRL when Stan was, like, number one for as long as it was, you know? <laughs> it's that That holds some weight. So you can take out a Jim Carrey. But you can't go up against a Nick Cage, though. That's that's punching out of a way out of your weight class right there. <laughs> yeah, one we gotta do one thing where it's like characters playing themselves, movies with characters playing themselves. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, we would have Nick Cage. We would have, I believe, Keanu plays himself in um in something. Yeah. <laughs> is, is it Keanu? <laughs> no, that's when he plays a cat. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I forgot he was a cat in that. But um, yeah. There's we could definitely come up with that. But um, uh, but yeah. So, but in Black Friday, it's 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 a good it's an entertainment movie. It's will it become like a holiday staple for every year? No. I mean, I'll probably revisit it occasionally, but it's it's fine to just watch and it's the right length too. It's like an hour and a half. You're in and you're out. There's nothing. It knows what it is. It's not trying to be anything better than that, which is exactly what it needs to be, you know? And it's, it's fine. It's a, it's a good uh, thing. Now I didn't have a chance to bother looking into gasoline alley, which I think is his most recent movie. And like I mentioned last week, I think it's one of those for Bruce Willis, at least it's one of those movies where like Bruce Willis is set front and center of the poster, but he's in about a half a second of it. And so I don't know if Devin Sawa plays, a main character in that or how much of a role he has in that like hunter hunter i thought he'd be he's all over the poster yeah guess what he's not in main character he's not in that movie but really if you're talking tv shows he's the dad that dies in the third episode that sets everything in motion he's he's the ned stark of hunter hunter (laughs) okay right there devin sawa as ned stark take out shed sean bean I don't know, man. I think I'm. I think I'm with that. <laughs> I am absolutely with that. You as much as it upsets me that Sean Bean doesn't rhyme because of how it's spelled. Scene Bean, yeah, scene it's got to be Scene Bean. I mean, he's British. There's got to be. They got to say Scene over there, right? <laughs> I, I, I have nothing to base that on, but <laughs> <laughs> we're just gonna assume because those Brits are wacky. <laughs> they're they're crazy, aren't they? But all right, so now we got to get into the the real movie for Devin Sawa and that is absolutely final destination yes. uh, from from now we got to say it pre 9/11 year of 2000 because obviously of the way this movie starts off <laughs> but it's directed by James Wong who also did the one and the Dragon Ball Evolution movie but he also did Final Destination 3 I was like oh okay <laughs> maybe should have stuck with the final destinations but all right <laughs> But yeah. this is by far his best final destination. <laughs> but, yeah, um, he can he can go fuck off for that Dragon Ball movie. <laughs> I, I believe a lot of people feel the same way about that movie. I've never seen it, and I'm not a Dragon Ball fan. I don't watch it, but from what I understand, that movie is generally reviled. Oh, it's awful. The fan base. <laughs> it's awful. It, the day you try to make me watch that movie on the podcast is the day I quit the podcast. <laughs> oh, so now I know when an end date can happen. All right. <laughs> We come out of we we run out of ideas for themes. Guess what? One episode, Dragon Ball Evolution, end of show. You know. <laughs> yeah, if you ever see that, if you ever see that coming up, you know that the end is near. Yep, you know it's over. But um, I'm gonna say this right here. Outside of Stan, Stan accepted because it's a music video. Mm-hmm. This is the best Devin Sawa. And I will say it and I will go to my grave saying it. The dude can prove me wrong with future projects, but what's on his current resume it is absolutely Final Destination. And I, I will say, I have a like, I love this his slacker or not. I have slackers. I his uh, SLC Punk performance. Sean is great. Sean is a great character. Very different reasons than I love this. Alex Browning, Alex Browning is one of the best. He's one of the best characters in a lot of horror movies. Like most horror movies, he's he's he stacks up there because, and it's not because we don't get Devin Sawa playing charming Devin Sawa. 
we get Devin Sawa playing a weird kid that becomes weirder. Yes. <laughs> but yet at the same time becomes more like interesting the weirder he does get. And he's a little magical boy. He can see the future. <laughs> but it's it's so weird because the way Sawa plays it and the way the movie portrays it his premonitions are very much a possibility of these things will happen. Like these things are a legit thing that could happen to this kid. And he plays it off. Great. Now they, so the final destination rules like change as you go through the movies to an extent, but what I want. So they, they kind of in final destination to imply a birth changes the order of death. They don't imply it. They act right, say it. <laughs> or they do the uh, the whole, uh, what, death brings new life, or life brings, where uh, the girl dies and gets resuscitated, and that's new how they life, death. It's new life can break the chain, basically, but a life that wasn't supposed to be, which is the baby, is like the, the end cap. Like, you can cap off death's design by doing that, by having that kid be born, but... The thing is, because it's funny, because they're still, they, they say that's all great, and then that happens, and everyone's all happy, like, yay, death has been stopped. Yet it's more of a, at the end, when they have the barbecue scene in Final Destination 2, and the, the dude, the kid from, what turns out to be, I think, Mickey from Shameless later. Yeah. He gets blown up at the barbecue. Oh, because so <laughs> Which is amazing. But it's because he was knocked to safety by the guy that looks like the lead singer of Incubus. <laughs> and which I, I think final destination two has the best deaths besides stepping in front of the bus <laughs> i was gonna say you son of a bitch you watch your tongue terry is right here <laughs> but some of the most creative deaths are in final destination two you get the girl like crashes her car and she's like gonna make it has to go to the hospital and there's like the pipe sticking out behind her head and they launch the airbags with the jaws of life and it just smacks her head back into the pipe or um, the barbed wire fence gets blown up and cuts a guy into three pieces um that elevator head that made me terrified of elevators for a little bit the the girl in the car and then deleting her incubus getting quartered they lead to each other because she drops her cigarette in a trail of gasoline yeah. that falls, that goes up to like kerosene explosion, whatever, and knocks the fence through him. But yeah, but that girl has my favorite line of that movie when they're trying to save the woman who dies in the elevator and they're cut. Like she and Allie Larder are covered in her blood and they come bursting in and they're like, and she's got this look on her face. Like she's obviously just seen someone's head get knocked off and she's covered in blood. And she says, can we go find the pregnant lady now? <laughs> Just the way she says it. I was like, you know, give her, give her the awards, you know, come on. <laughs> Which brings me to my concept for a final destination movie. They, so premonition happens save a bunch of people one of those people happens to be a mass murderer and just goes on killing people that wouldn't have died if he died to death's design (laughs) it's like the m night Shyamalan version of final destination (laughs) or he has to make up 
for not being able to kill them the first time because he was originally going to kill them. But whatever other casualty it was happened, stopped, prevented him from doing that originally. So he has to go back and try to catch them all and kill them all again. <laughs> but I mean, they are making a six and it's supposed to be a like a requel or something like that. Which so, five was pretty good in terms of five's the- ending, yeah. spoiler alert again, is the beginning of this movie. Yes. Is the playing part, which is a great, it's one of those things where I was watching, I'm like, oh, Final Destination Five, this is just fine. And then that ending happened. I was like, holy shit, didn't like, see I this coming. So much more now. <laughs> I was like, definitely didn't see this coming. This is great. Like, <laughs> So for this movie, and it's it's funny because we could nitpick the little aspects of why it obviously being a movie, why it's a movie, essentially, like why the reality of it would suck. Because A, in his premonition, the plane is in the air a lot longer than it gets to be in the before it actually explodes. But there are two things that I love to do when I watch this movie. And one is count how many times Sean William Scott says the words, Carter, you dick. <laughs> I believe Carter, we get four and a half. We get four and a half. I think four from Sean William Scott. And then there's just a you dick from a random other student. <laughs> in the movie. But then there is to rank. And it's the first time I've done this to rank the deaths on the Rube Goldberg scale. <laughs> Because okay, so if I'm ranking them on the Rube Goldberg scale, you got to go with the teacher first. Probably. Okay, yeah, yeah. We, we have to establish the rules of the scale. The Rube Goldberg scale is how much of a Rube Goldberg machine or sequence it is to kill this person. So, yes, Miss Luton is absolutely a 12 out of 10. <laughs> Death probably second. Well, Ms. Luton is like psychologically tortured by death and then murdered in a Rube Goldberg machine by her. Second, though, on the other hand, I'm going to say, and it's, it's really almost Carter's death is probably a 10 out of 10, simply because it's preceded by almost deaths of clear and alex yeah. and everyone's saving lives and everything's getting knocked into each other but everyone's Who's knocking next? each other out of the way right and then the sign nails carter so it took a while to get to him and a lot of things had to play out before it got to him but eventually it didn't and then the whole thing's just a rube goldberg sequence billy's on the other hand is more of an eight out of ten for the events leading up to it it's it's a lot of Rube Goldberg shit going on just to get Carter out of that car. And then when he's saved and the piece of shrapnel is hit by the train and cuts Billy's head off, that's more of like a two out of 10 because that's yeah. just a freak accident. You know, that wasn't technically really purposely set up by where death. Does because- the poo- where does the evil poo water fall? <laughs> In Washington <laughs> Commander Stadium, of course. Of course. Yes. <laughs> but... Then there is Todd's death. Todd's death really does start things off on like the the crazy Rube Goldberg scale because it's like a six or a seven, I'd say, because everything in it could sort of happen. Like he could trip getting in the shower. The clothesline could wrap around his neck and he could theoretically choke from that. And kick over the shampoo so he can't get his footing and stand up. Right. But it's like, how loose are those caps on the shampoo? You know, it's like, what 
what kind of world or what kind of family is this that they just have loose shampoo bottle caps you know it's like you monsters <laughs> what is wrong with you people but then of course they the whole thing gets put into motion by the water chasing him across the bathroom floor so there is that but where it's what like we learned is that you know, you really should have a dry, like a mat to stand on when you're in the bathroom so you don't slip and fall. Exactly. Exactly. Common safety skills, people. Right. I mean, it's like that water chases him like venom, like like a fucking symbiote goes after him, you know? And then it goes, it recedes back. But of course, it would leave the floor wet because it's not drying itself on the way by, you know? But which makes it even funnier because I think it's the second one where they even say how could somebody even hang themselves in the shower you know it's something like that because in the second one we find out that all of our main characters are somehow linked to flight 180 in some way um and the survivors of that but or the deaths of that and it's yeah it's funny when when because then we get the clothesline does tighten a couple times around todd's neck and it's like all right all right Death definitely wants to murder this kid, you know. <laughs> Which I, I, I feel like we have to talk about because Claire's death in Final Destination 2 that directly inspired uh what's his name's death in Breaking Bad. Oh um Gus, Gus Frank. Gus's death in Breaking yeah, Bad. Yeah. Again, we are spoiling all kinds of things that people have probably either already should have seen or Probably will see, but whatever. That's we 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 haven't put our blanket spoiler alert at the beginning of an episode for a long time, but you should know by now. <laughs> With, all right, so Devin Salo in this. I think the most iconic, like the best part of it is like when he's like just trying to death proof everything in the cabin. My favorite line of the movie comes in that scene, and it's when the hook is like when he has to pull up the fish hooks and he goes, tetanus. Didn't think of it. Good one. <laughs> That's, I mean, him in the cabin is hilarious because, like, hey, just picking a cabin, like, if that really wanted to get you, an errant campfire semi close by could set the cabin ablaze. <laughs> right. I mean, it's already taking, like, at one, like, we, we find out that death likes to, again, from day one. From death one, we find out that death likes its Rube Goldberg machines. It likes to place the fuck around a little bit before it actually kills you. Which also, the one of those tension-filled scenes in the movie is when he's like stuck face down in the mud and you think right. he's going to drown in it. Yeah, it is. And that's that's at the same time death is using lightning bolts <laughs> to fuck with Claire, Claire and her dog by it's breaking clear, open. not Claire. That's yeah, okay, clear. By breaking over in, uh, it's clear rivers too, which is funny. But um clear rivers professional weird girl weird girl pickup artist based off of her like trash cultures but death is using a lightning bolt to break open her above ground pool spread the water all over the ground around her and then kind of like dance lightning bolts around her yeah. <laughs> just so it doesn't and have to like fire dog. <laughs> yeah and fucking with the dog the dog gets away Yes, but then the, the like in that scene, it likes to use electricity just to start popping lights and shit in her house, and it likes to trap her in a car with a wire, like a live wire on top. It doesn't actually try to electrocute her <laughs> by hitting her with a lightning bolt. It likes to dance around everything else. Also, so the actor that plays Carter, have you seen him lately? Kerr Smith, I believe, is his name. Yes. Uh, he was on Dawson's Creek. That's the last thing I and this. It's the only thing I really remember him seeing him. That's, he was also in Charmed. I did like Charmed when I was a kid. I, I never watched Charmed. 
but now he looks exactly the same as he did in this, just with gray hair. Oh, really? Yeah, like, he's like still it. a nice. handsome dude, but now he has, like, gray hair, and it kind of works for him. <laughs> oh, I'm looking at his IMDb picture. Yeah, nice. Okay. Yep, that's that's definitely Carter slightly aged. <laughs> that is 22 years later, Carter. <laughs> but, yeah, and then, Carter, of course, you, you know, Carter, you dick. But, yeah, Devin Sawa in this is so great because he's he's a normal kid. As far as we know, he's a little superstitious because he doesn't want his mom to rip off his airline tag off the luggage, um, even though she's like, fuck you, dude, I'm doing this anyway. It's like, well, he clearly is a little superstitious. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll let that one go, you know? And then there's his, his performance post-premonition, um, post-vision. When he wakes up and he's dumped, he jumps into the RCD, pulls up thing, and he notices he pulls up the um, tray table thing. He notices everything's going right, and he freaks the fuck out. And it is such a great performance because it's it's not the problem with the future ones is that everybody doesn't really believe that what they're experiencing is real. Mm-hmm. Alex right away is like this shit's real i saw it i felt it i could smell that shit basically like this is real i am experiencing some weird psychic phenomena and then he sees like his he follows the signs like he's the first one to pick up on the signs and everyone else in the movies to come basically uses him as a playbook without knowing it and in the laziest way possible you know they're just kind of like oh they can see things now they see signs you know it's like uh, okay, <laughs> I don't believe you, but okay. <laughs> yeah, and so Final Destination 2, I think, does an okay job at it for... I cut, I went back and rewatched it because I wanted to see how much death is like a Rube Goldberg machine in that one. But the main character, she she's kind of unlikable, you know, because she's like annoyed by having to exist yeah. in this world, which granted, you probably would be. <laughs> <laughs> it's an it really does suck but which i will what i'm giving to final destination 2 is the log truck is like people do not drive behind log trucks because of that movie (laughs) yeah it's and i believe three is a roller coaster and i was like okay like the thing is like they get um I'm trying to remember what four is. That's the racetrack. The racetrack. That's right. I can't, and I can't remember what five is at all. Like, I honestly cannot remember what five is. It's not the bridge is the end, right? Is it, it might the be the bridge? Crashing? No, it might be the bridge. It might be the bridge because the end of five, I think, is the escalator. The oh, the well, the end of the five. Well, the end of five, the first ending of five, I think, is like an escalator in a mall. Yeah. And then they're on a flight. That then they get on flight 180. But the the the, the good thing about this franchise is, and it starts with this one. It takes an everyday fear that people will have, and it gives you the nightmare scenario of it. Yeah, like and, this one. I after the first time I watched this, I was genuinely afraid to get on an airplane. Yeah, man. It's like it's like if the landing gear hits a little too hard, you're like, "Well, what the fuck is that?" You know. And then it's like some. <laughs> Too much I don't turbulence know how this that. started, but now somehow every time I'm about to fly, I somehow come across Final Destination on TV or something within the week before. 
<laughs> nice. It's, that's Mike's premonition right there. It's like, if you don't see it, something's going to happen, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like now I just, the night before I fly, I always have to watch Final Destination. Because Now you're making me. it happen. Yeah, now you're making it happen. But, um, but yeah, and it's, and as we get through, we go through this, as unbelievable of a scenario that it is, like high school boys sees visions um, or sees the future, essentially. Sawa like makes you believe it. Like, and he, you do, it doesn't seem like he's I a movie. I, could rip the, I knew I could rip the seatbelt because I saw myself ripping the seatbelt. <laughs> right. Yeah. When he gets to that, like, I might be God situation. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little weird. But when he pulls up, when he's watching the, uh, and, and this is another case of, um, convenient news reports are convenient, like mm-hmm. if we want to take the CinemaSins, um, like vernacular, because whenever he watches a news report, it always gives him either something that's very important and timely for the situation he's in, like to make him feel like shit because all his friends are dead, or it gives him pertinent information he needs to know, like when it shows the um, the the path of the explosion and he's able to trace the still form of it to be able to find out where people were sitting so he can see the path of it it's like wow that's convenient (laughs) and he's being chased by the fbi he's being followed by the fbi because even though this is a pre-9-11 world he's lucky this is pre-9-11 because if yeah. this was post 9-11, my man would be in jail indefinitely. <laughs> yeah, they would never let him out, ever. Especially even, even if they were to somehow let him go the first time. Be like, okay, of course he didn't blow up the plane. When he buys 20 books on airline disasters <laughs> at like the local Barnes & Noble, or even if he rented them for the library, they're picking him up 10 minutes later and be like, look, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Browning, why are you reading these books? You know, what's going on here? Like, why do you have these in your possession? And it's so funny because he's not at any point trying to be like, I didn't do it. He's yeah. acting weirder and weirder. And he's yeah, almost no, he's acting so like the FBI bad don't at exist. acting innocent. <laughs> he's so he's like, he's almost acting like the FBI just don't exist and they don't yeah. they're not playing a role. He, in this. The whole movie is playing like, why the fuck are you guys bothering me? I got a fucking plan to figure out. <laughs> Right. It's it's completely insane. Also, but the FBI agents are totally incompetent, as always. They're not. And it's the cliche of the FBI is like, it's so funny because the, that interrogation scene in the beginning, it's almost as if they think that these people are collectively trying to pull one over on them. It's like, really? <laughs> really? You think this small group of uh, high school students <laughs> decided they were going to get together with their teacher and say, we're going to blow up this plane act completely psychotic and disturbed by it just to get away with it and the poor teacher sure. <laughs> the poor teacher miss just... luton oh man miss luton she she's not okay obviously but she's not okay after this happens and alex and then doesn't make it better <laughs> you know we're gonna blame he goes in to try and save her and he grabs the knife grabs the knife <laughs> it's it's oh god but her whole death is hilarious because someone it's kind of like the death of the assistant in jurassic world when she gets eaten by the mosasaur but she's like thrown in the air by the pterodactyls it's it's a long death for a minor character they're also both undeserving of their terrible fate that they end up getting exactly 
And Which, the hardest that to watch for me, and this is Todd's, like watching his eyes go bloodshot. I still that sucks. Me. Yeah, but okay. So now we've gone long enough. My f- again, greatest death in movie history is when Terry gets popped by that bus, and it's she is giving the absolute business to Alex and Carter right before that happens. Her last dick. Her last words on this earth are you can drop fucking dead, turns a quarter of a turn to the right, and blammo gets and nailed I by a ball. love bus. Carter's face as, like, you see the slight blood splatter on his face. He's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> and that's the thing. Sawa has the same face. And it's so funny because it's like, he saw the bus coming. Yeah. He, he knew something was going to happen, but it's, it's it's great when a death in a movie perfectly shocks the audience and the characters in that scene. And it's so funny because the look on Sawa's face is one of, again, it's like Dave in Slackers when he finds when he gets told called a whore. He it's almost as if he didn't know it was gonna happen. Like yeah. it's almost as if he didn't know it was gonna happen. I was like, that is such a good performance. Of obviously he's just being squirted by someone with blood off camera. You know, they didn't clearly didn't kill someone in front of him with a bus, you know. <laughs> so there's some movie trickery going on there. <laughs> no, but, the movie, uh, the, the director really wanted real performances from people. So he <laughs> the actors that played Terry was a method actor. <laughs> <laughs> she really had to like be put into that situation in order to give a good convincing performance <laughs> but it's it's again it's my favorite death in movie history simply because of the lead up to it we get carter and terry cruising down the street listening to nine inch nails they are for no reason they see clear and alex talking in a coffee shop do not have a reason whatsoever to go over to them carter pulls a 180 in the street almost hits billy <laughs> Causes Billy to almost die by getting hit by getting hit by two other cars. He screams, Carter, you dick. And then Miss Luton waltzes out of the coffee shop that they are sitting in front of, presumably have already seen her because they have coffees as well. (laughs) And it's so then everyone gets into their fight. Terry steps off that couch curb. Now, the best part is, and it's one of those lovely movie things. To set up to that, you actually see the part of the street where that bus comes from, and it can't physically do it because there's construction equipment blocking the road, and they're, where the hell does that bus yeah. come from to hit her? That's <laughs> just plopped it down. It's it's like the dinosaur coming out of the, the T-Rex coming out of the paddock in Jurassic Park. Yeah. It was flat ground when it came out, but there's a cliff when the kids have to go over it. You know, it's it's for the betterment of the movie, and I love every second of it. It's funny because it almost reminds me of a SpongeBob episode. <laughs> what episode of SpongeBob did someone get destroyed by a bus? <laughs> SpongeBob says, SpongeBob at one point goes, he's like, if I'm lying, man, I'd be struck by an ice cream truck falling from the sky. And then you see a shadow of an ice cream truck falling, and he goes, and live! And the ice cream truck <laughs> crushes him. Nice. I like it. But yeah, and it's, and Terry's death is by far the lowest on the Rube Goldberg scale. It is absolutely yeah. just a one out of 10. There is nothing going on there. She's just popped by a bus and it's so good. Well, you got to do the Rube Goldberg for how the bus got by the construction. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
but then of course there is the fact that this movie john angel john denver's uh, summons the angel of death because if you play john denver's music someone will die shortly after yeah. <laughs> just like in real life but my, my favorite part of and it's not even devin sawa it's not even his performance in this movie which is all around great yeah i it's, do it, like devin sawa plays it with like enough enough like uh like he almost comes across like a conspiracy theorist. Right, right. He's like if QAnon knew what they were talking about. <laughs> he's it's so funny because he's there like, is he's like if you had like like Notre Dame's like you know it predicts everything and it's like it's like Notre Dame starts predicting everyday things and just starts to get pissed off by it. <laughs> right, that's him. Right, exactly, and. My favorite part about Alex Browning as a character is we have seen him in this movie survive so much, shit, go through so much. He has figured so much about death. It's design. He's saved his friends' lives. He is presumably saved in Paris, watching it by one of his now friends. Carter has been crushed by a sign and he has survived. He and clear are good to go between the events of one and two. And in two is when we learn it. Alex is killed by a falling brick. <laughs> Yeah. just a falling brick that's it <laughs> the line from the um from the article and this is why i watched the second as well so i could pause the pause it and get the line a brick from a building became dislodged and hit alex in the face killing him instantly what <laughs> what Listen, are you telling me marv can survive that in home alone too but alex can't survive it here three times i believe marv is hitting the face with three bricks i think in home alone too but yeah but our man alex can't survive it but yeah it's it that just cracks me up it's like oh wow it's like because i mean there That's is I was like, never quite sure what happened uh, like i almost thought the sign came down and killed him both him and carter and i thought that's how it ended i didn't realize he was just hit by a brick yeah no it's yeah it's it's it specifically shows but the th and the thing is that the rumor around uh, the movie about the sequel is that somebody said somewhere that sawa wanted more money which <clears throat> lots of different stories have been like that's just not true mm -hmm. and it was just, I think it might've been like a scheduling conflict or some other thing just prevented him from doing this movie. And they really had to explain why Alex Browning is not in this movie, but Clear Rivers is. Yeah. And so they're like, well, I guess we got to kill him. And it's like, well, how do we do that? Oh, falling oh. fucking brick. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> Created a Rube Goldberg machine and it went awry. <laughs> That would be great. Yeah, that would actually be great if it was like a legit Rube Goldberg machine that uh that that shot him or something like that. Yeah. Like in Family Guy when uh Peter creates the breakfast machine or whatever it is, and it just ends up shooting him for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> but murdered by data from the from right. The yeah, there you go. But it's yeah, it's it. This movie is so good, and it's it's funny because without Sawa. I don't think it works. It doesn't work. You can't yeah, play. I was in. trying to think of people that like could do the role, and I had a hard time. I don't think you can. Like, I don't think you can put anybody else in and have it be the same movie. Because obviously, as we see, when you give us a new main character, you don't get the same results. Yeah. And that's why all these sequels exist with various degrees of success. And I am curious. I, I'm gonna 
I'm curious what has the lowest rating of the Final Destinations on IMDb. It's so probably Final Destination four. One, six point seven. Yeah. Final Destination Two, six point two. Okay. Final Destination Three, five point eight. Okay. The Final Destination, uh, five point one, and Final okay, Destination the one with the title five, that's a lie. <laughs> Final Destination Five, five point nine. So yeah. yeah, that's probably one, two, five, three, four. That's the order I'd put them yeah. in. That makes sense. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's and it's funny because Final Destination Five really gets that uptick because of its ending and in the ending there's the beginning of this movie which ties it in that this one is definitely the best one by virtue of it being the first and also by virtue of the performances like sawa is the lead in this movie this is the one where like the characters feel like characters right they're they're stereotypes and there are their character like tropes but they work like they really do like sean william scott is great as uh as uh billy like when he thinks Cardinal, like when he thinks Alex is like a witch, basically yeah. that could predict the future. He's like, he's like, if I ask her out, will she say no? And he's like, not now, not ever. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's so it looks like that that's pretty much the standard ranking. Like that's just the accepted ranking one, two, five, three, four. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's good. I, I do think when we move past this, it's kind of like, it's kind of like Saul. Where every sto- every movie moves further away from the actual story and more towards, like, how cool are the deaths? Yeah, it's the stories do get pretty thin because, I mean, it's the same thing. And the only yeah. thing they ever change is the way the visions come across. Like, I believe in the third one, I think it's, like, through pictures. Yeah. I think it's through digital camera pictures or something. And, and even in, like, I think it's four, whatever one where they actually do, like, there was like in 3D as well. There's like a weird 3D sequence of a vision beforehand, and like a couple things that could pop out at the audience. And it's like, well, that's stupid, <laughs> you know. Yeah, remember when 3D was a thing? 3D yeah, god, 3D. thank god. But anyway, that's probably enough of that. And that's uh, that will wrap us up for uh, Devin Sawa, who again, in conclusion, we he just the dude rules, like he does, he's just he's good, he's just a great. He's a great presence on screen. Like you just, I'm gonna have to watch more of Chucky to uh, see how it goes. And from what I understand, he is uh, very good in that show as well. I haven't had the chance to watch yet, but he's from what I understand, very good in that show as well. But um, all right, Mike. So before we get into who we're talking about again next week, why don't you tell us uh, where people can find us? You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Happy Hour Films Podcast. Go like all our shit. Matthew Lillard did, (laughs) so you should too. Yeah, what's stopping you? You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and just about anywhere else you get your podcast from. Thanks to Anchor at Happy Hour Films Podcast. Again, go subscribe to our stuff. Go like our stuff. It really helps us out. Yeah, we appreciate it too. And next thank week, you, Matthew Lillard. <laughs> yes, thank you again, Matthew Lillard. And hopefully, thank you to Evan Sowell in advance. Um, but um, but yeah, so next week, we uh, we will be talking about a underappreciated actress this time. And uh, we're going to get into uh, Amanda Seyfried or Seyfried. Uh, I'm not, she's one of those actresses. Seyfried, but I'm not positive. <laughs> she has one of those, she's one of those actresses that has a name that everyone probably says wrong and she just is very polite about, you know, <laughs> but we're definitely going to be talking, your homework's definitely going to be Mean Girls and Jennifer's Body. And then we're also going to get into uh, a little bit, we'll touch on In Time and we're going to touch on a movie called Chloe, 
which is a Liam Neeson, yeah. uh, Julianne Moore movie, and it's it's an interesting one uh, from what there I remember. Might be a full blown lesbian porno in there. I believe there is at <laughs> one point, and it's uh, yeah, it's. But I don't remember there being much else to that movie. You know? <laughs> but we're gonna get in. We'll touch on it briefly because uh, we we do we do believe that uh, Amanda is one of the more under uh, underappreciated actresses. Ted two uh, might come up briefly. Potentially, could a couple things will probably pop up. Yeah. There. But um, until that time, I have been Ross Bacon. I've been Mike McWiggan. And we'll see you guys next time. So long. <laughs>